In Islam, no matter what, you have to pray five times a day, no matter what. So on that way, we are in touch with God five times a day, at least. This is In Good Faith, listening to first-person experiences of faith and belief. On In Good Faith, it's our privilege to hear stories and accounts from believers told in their own words. Our hope is to listen with an open heart, celebrating the power of faith and belief and what those stories mean to the ones who tell them. I'm speaking in good faith today with Imam Amir Salahovic. He was born in Bosnia and Herzegovina, married, two kids. But tell Correct. us tell us a couple of things real quickly. First, what is an imam? All right. So imam means like a prayer leader. And uh, it's not like in a Christianity or some other religion that we have to have somebody who has a connection with the God because we believe that everyone can make connection with God and we don't need special people for that. So imam is just like a religious leader, prayer leader. And in the case like mine here, we are organizing stuff and like we are doing ministries and that's that's including a lot of things to do. I would like to ask a few questions about the war, if that's okay. You're, that's you're totally fine. Yeah, okay. I would like to talk about that and spread like a, like a truth and from my view what happens yeah. over there. Okay. But I'm very happy that many people are already knows here in the United States what happens over there. So I would say you did not have a typical childhood because of the war that was in that area. Will you talk to me about what it was like growing up with that happening? Yeah, that's correct. It, it wasn't typical childhood, and I'm usually telling to people that I lost my childhood in some way because I was 10 years old at that time. And uh, I feel like I grew up in that age. I was thinking about serious stuff like how to survive, how to find a way to get out from that situation or something like that. So... Four years without chocolate, without electricity on time, you know, like it was very bad childhood. So, but on the other way, I also, I'm happy to, I survived that and I'm happy that uh, I think in that time I, I, I saw a lot of uh, very honest people's feeling because everybody wants to help each other. Everybody was sad if somebody other is sad. So everybody was sharing uh, food or something when they got, and it was kind of nice, that part of, of, of my childhood. So I remember that very well. Some good things yeah. in the middle that, of that, that. Yeah, exactly. At that time, and as you were growing up, was your family a religious family? Did they go to the mosque or read the Quran? Yeah, uh, I'm born in Yugoslavia. So I was born in Yugoslavia. It was Yugoslavia at that time. And uh, in that system... I was born in Yugoslavia, and uh, I remember that time a little bit. And in that system, in that, I will say, I will be direct, like regime, in communistic uh, regime, many people actually, they were hiding their religious feelings. Mm. You know, they were doing privately. So in my family, I had mom, she was praying all the time, but never, she, she never did something to make pressure on me. So I never felt her pressure on that way that she's want me to do something even I don't understand or something like that. So I'm very happy about that now because uh, now this what I am, it was my choice and that's that's part that makes me happy now. Did you always believe in God? Like I said, in that, in that uh, communist regime, I was going in a elementary school and our teacher was asking us who created the world, who created the sky and stuff like that, you know. And uh, uh, like like kids, we always said it's a God because parents, they were talking about that, but more like a story than mm. like some way in your life. She was telling us, oh, no, you're wrong. It's uh, nature. It's, it goes like that. You know, there is no God and something, you know. They, they were teaching us in, the, uh, in that way. And then I was always thinking that it cannot just happen and be perfect like it is, you know, the sun and moon and uh, mm. nature and everything goes very, very in a per- perfect row. So 
I was thinking like a kid on that way, and it was probably one of the way how I started to to go into into in, more into the religion and trying to to find myself in that. When did you first start to think I really do believe in God or or feel connected? It was in the war. <laughs> in the war. It was in the war. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Because when the war starting, I I will never forget that the first day of the war when they starting to shoot grenades and snipers and I was 10 years old I didn't know what's going on like uh, nobody didn't tell me you know you have to hide or something like that so we were just running through the town and and trying to I don't know like to find the way how to stop that and we couldn't believe it started so uh, later on after after the war was already started I was starting to thinking why it's happening to us. Why they? Why those people are trying to kill us? And all the time they were telling, uh, you know, they are Muslims. We don't want Muslims and stuff like that. So I didn't felt myself like a Muslim, you know, because I didn't think on that way that that there is some different people, because I was always thinking there is humanity and. You can have your view on uh, whatever you want, and you can believe whatever you want. It doesn't matter which uh, nation you are or which country you're from. So I got on some way. Uh, I I got shocked on some way because of that, and I was learning in a school about Nazi. So I was starting to compare that you know people yeah. with the Nazis because they don't want somebody else who's different. And then I was asking myself, okay, they, they want to kill us because uh, we are Muslims, but am I actually Muslim? Because I'm not praying. I'm not, I was fasting. I was praying sometimes. But I know every religion has some rules, and mm -hmm. you have to follow that to be part of that. So I was starting to asking myself. I was uh, that time I was like uh, maybe 12, 13 years old. I was starting myself, okay, you are Muslims, they want to kill you because of that, but you're not exactly Muslim because you're not praying, you're not doing anything, <laughs> just small things, you know, you have a name, Muslim name, and that's all. So after that, I was starting to read more about Islam, and uh, it was giving me all the answers on my questions, what I had in, what I had in, my, in my head and, and in my life. So I was happy. I had a piece. Now, you went to a traditional madrasa school. What does that mean? A uh, traditional madrasa is a, is a, like a, bachel you, you got a bachelor degree in a, in a theology school. But Bosnia had a very good scholar system, like in the history. So madrasa was a part of preparing uh, imams. So that's like a school for imams. Hmm. Yeah. So at what age did you decide you wanted to study theology and prepare? I think the God chose me for that God because I <laughs> yeah, I never I never thought I'm going to be like, I was very shy kid, you know. I didn't see myself to give, you know, like public uh speeches or something like that because in that time it was very hard to me, you know. But it happens. I, I decide to go to try to apply for that school, and they, I had a good score. They they called me after some time, and I start to study. Congratulations! Thank you very much. I'm happy <laughs> now because of that. And, and where did you learn all of the languages that you speak? You yeah, speak four or five four languages. Yeah, we have also over there now. I'm not even counting them, uh, like Croatian, Serbian, because they they are really really similar. But we had a, in the madrasa, we study uh, Arabic, Turkish, English, and Bosnian. Mm. Since you've come over to the U.S., mm -hmm. and, and you came to be an imam. Exactly, I, I know yeah. many, many, many came after the war as refugees. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, many Bosnians came uh, like refugees, unfortunately. I'm, uh, but now I'm very happy and I'm proud of the Bosnians in the United States because there is a lot of Bosnians, uh, like 95%, they are settled down very well. They have a very good lives now. There is also some problems with our people, but I believe there is in all the nations, in all the religions, all yes. races, you have good and bad people. So, yeah, 
I'm happy that we have like 95% of Bosnians that they are very successful in the business, in the sports. Uh, we got Zlatan Ibrahimovic, he's a Bosnian too, in <laughs> LA now. <laughs> Someone to be proud of. <laughs> yeah. So the people came over, but they stayed together and wanted, it sounds like they wanted to preserve their culture as well, because they could have gone to other mosques, but they, with their language and their culture, wanted to stay together and have an imam. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Uh, Islam exactly is teaching us that uh, all the people are same and all the Muslims are especially same. We should be like together, no matter which country, which nation, which race they are coming from, we should respect each other on on same way. But I think the after the war and after what happens in Bosnia, we are kind of scared, you know, that we are we are going to lose our kids or uh, our culture here. So everyone wants to build a community to help each other to integrate in this society. So we don't want people to get assimilated, you know, and got lost. And after some years, they are not Bosnians. They are not even Americans. So we want to integrate people in this society and to become like, Americans and Muslims in the same time who's helping society, who's helping community and finding uh, good ways to build up and to help this community to be better. So uh, that was one, one of the reasons. And uh, the other reason is we are very different culture from uh, Middle Easterns uh, because it's understandable that uh, some people, they they want to keep their tradition on some other ways. We are trying to keep some uh, our our culture in other ways so uh, they the decided Yugoslavia was more, more of a european or western culture uh, it's it was more western westernized even in that communist uh, regime it was kind of uh, more liberal than other communist country that time mm. yeah so yugoslavia had a really good life in especially in the time of uh, Tito, after he died, uh, nationalists, they started to make plans to make some ethnically clean ports, oh, yes. yes, like Serbia did, yeah. But. Some people in a war gain their faith and other people lose their faith. What makes that difference? What do you think? I think it's uh, it's based on on our experience, what we had in our experience. So... Unfortunately, I saw many people, they they lost everything in their lives, like even uh, kids, even wives, mm. like uh, all of the members of the families. Some of the women, they got raped, you know. So People uh, ask, how could there be a God? Yeah, some people, they, yeah, yeah. Some people, they were asking, you know, how, how can God, if he's good, can let the people do that? Or how can God let the people kill the other kids or something like that? But in my experience, I met a lot uh, more people who became believers and they became, uh, they started to follow all the rules in the religion because the religion uh, is something what they find the peace. And mm. I think the, re- the, the goal of the religion is if somebody can find the peace. And I believe also if somebody talk on the right way with those person who lost everything and everybody or they had some very bad experience like raping or something like that, those person could also find the peace in a religion. And especially Islam is treating all the questions, whatever is uh, happens in our lives. In my opinion, in, in, from my experience, I found all the answers on, on every, every of those questions I had. In your life, from day to day or during a week, what are the things that you do that help you feel like you're in touch with God? Okay, in Islam, uh, even if you sometimes, everybody feel on some way that the, their believing is sometimes stronger than some other time. Yeah. Yeah, but in Islam, no matter what, you have to follow the rules. You have to pray every day, five times a day, no matter what. Even if you're sick, 
if you cannot walk, you are praying like you have to sit and or you can lay down and pray. But you have to pray. You have to stay in touch mm -hmm. with God. So on that way, we are in touch with God every day, five times a day at least. And that's that's obligatory. So you have to do that every day. You can do more, but... Uh, you mentioned that you couldn't imagine yourself speaking in front of people, that you were shy. What helped you overcome that, to, to be able to be in front of people in the mosque? Our school, our madrasa had a really good system, and they still have a very, very good system, education system. So they helped us with that, and we had, like, trainings in the school. So later on, they, they were sending education system in the school it was very good and they were helping us with that we had the trainings how to do it uh, they were teaching us to to get some skills with that so now after almost 20 years i'm okay <laughs> <laughs> you're okay let me ask you this i'm putting you on the spot a little bit from the quran mm -hmm. the chapters are surahs is that correct correct do you have some favorite lessons or favorite a favorite story, something that you like to think about or that inspires you? Actually, I don't have nothing like that. that I, will, I will say it's only one part that is my favorite. The thing with me when I'm reading Quran, the favorite surah chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In my experience, I, I don't have nothing specifically to say this is my favorite part or something like that because every time when I'm reading Quran, I got amazed every and every time when I'm reading Quran, it, it's giving me something new. Even if I read that many times before, every new time I'm, I, I'm finding something new and I'm, I'm getting like amazed by that. And is it a way of thinking of things or does it inspire you from what you read to change your actions or to do certain things? Actually, it's, it's giving me answer on everything what I was asking myself about. So on that way, it's amazed, amazed me every time when I'm reading, mm. you know, and because it's giving me answers on everything in, what I was questioning myself before that. Even if I read, some, uh, even if I know those those chapters to read, you know, without reading and, and meaning of that, Sometimes I'm not I'm not thinking on that way when uh, like in that situation when I'm reading and it's just comes in my head like mm. like answer and and I see something new in those chapters or or for the Bosniaks mm -hmm. is the Hajj also something people consider for the future if they're able to uh, yeah all the go Muslims yeah all the Muslims we are following the same rules and there is a five pillars of Islam mm -hmm. that uh, is obligated for everyone. And Bosnians too, so yeah, we have to go to do uh, Hajj like uh, obligatory to to visit the Mecca. If you are in in situation to do that, so it means if you are healthy or if you have a money for that, you know, so you can do on that way. If not, you're not obligated to do mm. it. But the prayers are oriented towards Mecca. Yeah, that's correct. Mm -hmm. We are facing toward Mecca when we are praying every time. But sometimes when we are in airplane, so it's time to pray. It doesn't matter where you where where you facing. The prayer to, is more yeah, important. Yeah, because the God is everywhere. We believe <laughs> so. Wherever you go, it's it's God's. Could way. ask the pilot. Could you please turn the plane <laughs> yeah. a little bit? <laughs> it would be funny. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me this. A final question. Um, people are curious, mm -hmm. and Islam is in the news here in the U.S., and people are learning and, and getting curious. Mm -hmm. So if people, for instance, want to come to your mosque, are visitors welcome, and what would they expect or what would they do if they come visit? Yeah, we last year we had an open house in uh, in our mosque here in, in Salt Lake. It was a lot of people, especially people locally from Salt Lake, and they were amazed by our tradition and our, our beliefs and our representing of Islam because they didn't see nothing strange. And I'm doing my best to help the people understand and show the right picture of Islam. And I believe that we are not able to learn about anything just from TVs or from news. We have to learn from the books and especially our experience so i can't imagine that somebody can talk about some religion or somebody 
that if they even they don't know them, they never met somebody. So mm. I think that's really important that we have our experience and from our experience we can see that sometimes it's not like we see in uh, media. And uh, like I said, I'm very happy. I'm, I'm very proud of the Bosnians, Muslims all over the United States. We will try to go on that way to help and build up this society. Our kids are born here. They feel more like Americans than like Bosnians. And we want to help them to become Americans who who's going to build and help this society to be more and more better. Mm. Is there something I should have asked you or that you wanted to say? that I didn't ask. I'm very happy that when the people wants to meet Muslims, wants to meet our Bosnian Muslims, especially because I mean I'm I'm imam over there in in Bosnian society. Because on that way we are helping people to understand that Islam is not radical thing. That Islam is a Islam means peace that people wants in our religion the final goal is a peace. When you go to sleep at night you fall asleep without any guilty on on your mind or something that it, that you think that somebody is crying because of you you did something or you said something on that way i'm i'm very happy when people are curious and and they want to learn about islam and about bosnians too because it helping us as well because uh, Bosnians, like I said, 90% of Bosnians came to the United States like refugees. Most of them, they lost somebody in the war. They lost everything like houses and lands. They feel good if somebody talk to them and if somebody support them. So it's helping us to integrate in this society. And I'm very happy that we have uh, good connections with uh, other religions here. Everybody is happy to come to see us over there. So it makes us proud, and I hope it's going to keep doing that way. I have felt so bad when people don't have a choice and have to leave their homeland. You hope that they'll at least find good neighbors where they end up. I also believe that's a God's will, you know, because I talk to many people, Bosnian people, and they are more happy than they used to be in Bosnia. Because this country is giving us freedom, we have our mosque, we can pray anywhere. Sometimes in Bosnia they will make fun of you if you pray outside, you know, somewhere Mm. in a park or something like that. But here it's so normal thing that nobody is making fun of that, nobody is trying to do something bad to you. So I feel so happy about that. I'm glad to hear that. I'm I'm, I'm really (laughs) honest about that. (laughs) Good. Imam Amir Salahovic, thank you for speaking with me today in Good Faith. Thank you very much, Mr. Stevens, for inviting us, and I'm very happy to be here. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to In Good Faith. In the second half of the show, we'll hear a panel of listeners discuss the ideas presented by our guest, Imam Amir Salahovic. Back in a moment with more of In Good Faith. This is In Good Faith, listening to first-person accounts and stories of faith and belief. Even if you haven't lived through a war, have difficult experiences brought you closer to God or further away? How do you hold on to a past culture and language while trying to be accepted in a new land with new traditions and a new language? We invited a group of people to listen to our guest and respond. Todd Blickenstaff is married with four children. One of his hobbies is collecting hats. He currently has over 1,500. Madeline McRae Gunnell is a junior at BYU studying journalism. She works as an assistant producer for Thinking Aloud on BYU Radio. Tenery Taylor Norton is the producer for Top of Mind on BYU Radio. She and her husband have five children, and she loves to ski. Ryan Trapp is a college student studying business. Well, I think this was a tough one to have to comment on because I don't, probably none of us in this room were going through war at 10 years old, if ever. And so my first thought was, I have nothing to contribute to a, a conversation about this. My my life's been so easy. But But what he said was that he really connected, people around him connected with God during the war. I think he had to kind of 
decide if God was really there or not. I have twins who are just about to graduate from high school. They're 18. And when they were born, it was a super stressful time in my life and triggered OCD. And um, it was almost debilitating how stressed out I would get about germs and uh, (laughs) sickness and Almost that I didn't want to leave the house, didn't want to be in public spaces. It was hard enough to to lug little children around. And that went on for me for about three years. It was right before my next child was born that I actually got some treatment for it. When I look back at that time, how hard it was, it brought me closer to God. I had to kind of say, okay, will you just help me get through the grocery store? Will you just help me um, deal with this messy mess that is freaking me out? And I got to a point after going through that, and it was years of going through that, where I could kind of like check in with God in my head and say, I'm going to be okay, right? This is not a big deal. And I know that's nothing like war. (laughs) It's very, very small compared to war. But I think what he was saying is nobody wants these hard things in our lives. We don't wish for them. We try to avoid them. But we come out a lot of times on the other end closer to God if we look to him for help. Yeah, I would definitely agree that the adversity that we face oftentimes can bring us closer to God. I think he specifically even mentioned how for a lot of people, a lot of people came to God because of the conflict rather than turned away from him, which he acknowledges that, you know, for some people, they lose everything in the conflict that he spoke of. There were people who lost everything, their family, their homes, anything that can be imaginable. But through the adversity, they were able to connect with God and that others who have been through similar adversity are able to connect with those people. Um, in my own life, I always look to my mom as one of the biggest examples because she's actually an immigrant from Colombia. Um, her family grew up, you know, not in a really a war-torn country such as Imam Amir, but uh, she was – her family went through basically the drug wars of Colombia and they finally were able to raise enough money that they could immigrate to the United States. But the big thing she would always mention is how her grandmother would always force them to go to church on Sunday. They would always go uh, – and receive a mass every Sunday. And to her, it's a lesson she's taught me as I've grown is that church, having that faith in God is really a main um, foothold or it's a main, it's something we can hold on to during difficult times in our lives. And whether that's in a war-torn country or in your situation, Tenery, you know, it, it doesn't matter how big or small it is, we can always reach out to God to, in order to help strengthen us and give us guidance, or as Imam Amir said, that that sense of peace in our lives. I loved hearing about that idea of peace as the goal of religion, because oftentimes I think that God isn't going to solve all of our problems, but he's going to make them bearable. Um, If you look at Imam Amir's life, you know, he grew up, um, like he said, in that war-torn country and Now he's uh, navigating with other Bosnian uh, Muslims, um, integrating into American culture. And that's something that he probably never expected to have to deal with. And um, maybe as a 10-year-old boy, all he wanted was for that problem to just go away and for everything to be normal again. But he mentioned that, you know, this is God's will for him, and um, he's very happy about that. That made me think about something in my life. When I was 14, I lost my dad to a heart attack very unexpectedly. And I remember right after I found out the news, I just wanted it to go away. And I wanted everything to be normal again. I wanted another call from the hospital saying, you know, just kidding. We saved him. He's alive. Everything's going to go back to normal. But I remember having to go through that experience of grieving with my family and seeking for just that peace of knowing God will help us uh, find a new normal. That idea of just finding some peace, finding a place to just um, be content and be willing to move forward even if things aren't perfect, that really struck me while listening to this. One of the things that I really resonated, uh, re- that resonated with me uh, from Imam Amir was when he was talking about when he was young, when he was growing up, he 
pretty much believed what his parents uh, were teaching him, their beliefs, and and what was going on in his uh, community. But as he got older, you know, the teachers were a little bit more scientific, and they were, you know, teaching him different things, and that he kind of had to come to this realization for himself. And and I went through, and I think a lot of people do go through that that same situation. I grew up in a, a conservative, you know, religious town. Uh, a lot of the same uh, beliefs. So I tend to believe I believed what my you know parents were teaching me, and and the principles that they stressed in our home, and and we did go to church on a regular basis. And so I kind of rode on their coattails, you know, influenced what I believed, but. Uh, as I went through high school, you know, you're a, you're a teenager and you test the boundaries and, and you um, keep your parents up late at night and give them gray hair. When I got out of high school, I, I served a two-year mission for our church, and uh, I was in California. And it was at that point when I was preparing to go, things were different, and, and it kind of just struck me one day, if I'm going to go out and I'm going to talk to people about my religion share my beliefs and teach them uh, about the gospel of Jesus Christ, I better know for myself if I can look folks in the eye and say, yeah, this is what I believe. And so it really kind of put me to the test to figure it out like he did, you know, do I really believe in this? And, and that came. Uh, I, I had those promptings and, and felt very strongly about what I had kind of known and, and believed growing up, but you kind of have to have that, that, inner, that inner feeling that, yes, I'm, I'm on the right path. And so that, uh, that really resonated with me when he was talking about that. There are a couple of threads that I'd like to maybe tie together here um, from what you said, Todd. I, I was thinking also when he said, you know, what I am is my choice. I grew up in, in Pennsylvania and in the 80s, and uh, my friends in high school I moved my senior year and said, you know, what, what's a Mormon? Uh, had never heard of a Mormon. They thought that we were Amish. And and so I was forced to kind of, well, am, am I going to live the whole thing? Because they don't even know and they don't care. And and do I really believe it? Because nobody around me was, was um, acting the way that I my parents had taught me to act. And it's very interesting, though. He said he loves being a Muslim in America. And when they pray outside in the park, nobody says anything. Nobody threatens them. It, it reminds me that I think people want to support each other in their religious convictions. Um, when I was in high school, once people understood, you know, who I was and what I stood for, they would not allow me to break my standards. We know Mormons don't drink, and my friends on the weekends would not allow me to have alcohol. And um, they would they would say, no, Tenery doesn't have that, so don't even offer that to her. Um, so I, I think the thing is people want to to believe in each other. They want to encourage each other. And I, I feel like that's what Imam Amir was saying about why he loves America, because he felt that kind of support. I liked what he said about um, praying five times a day to, he said specifically, to stay in touch. I thought about what I'm doing when I pray, and that's usually asking for something or saying thank you for something. But I love that idea of just praying to stay in touch and to really communicate with God. And I've heard about that in church before, you know, having a conversation. We believe that God is our heavenly father. And so um, I've been told before, you know, have a conversation with God as if you're talking to your parent. But I think most of the time I, I use prayer as a way to I don't want to say get something, that sounds terrible, but <laughs> to really plead for things or thank him for things instead of just having that conversation. Finding your keys. Come on, we all do that. <laughs> <laughs> Always the prayer for finding the keys. <laughs> I think that's okay. It's interesting because he talked about the rules of Islam, praying five times a day, and and you said, uh, uh, Ryan, you said that you're – your mother was forced to go to mass every every Sunday. Every Sunday. And so I think that there's kind of this tension between you know, keeping the rules, but also it seems like if you're there in church or if you get down on your knees, then that is where, you know, the inspiration can happen best. And so I think 
there's a bit of humility maybe. I don't I don't know what it is. I'm trying to teach my kids it's still it's worth it to go every week to church. As far as his comments on prayer, I think about I think about my prayers and it depends on your situation, how much you pray <laughs> and how you pray and and when you pray. I try to be consistent with my prayers every day. You know, it seems like when your your life is presenting more challenges, you tend to get more serious about your your prayers and and uh, I just found out yesterday, got a phone call from my brother, and he informed me that he's been diagnosed with prostate cancer. I'm getting ready to go into a, a meeting. I'm meeting a client up in Salt Lake. And you just never know when that something like that's going to come, when that phone call is going to come. I worry about my kids all the time. and They're driving around and they're on the freeways. And and so I, you know, I immediately said a, a, a prayer in my heart. Uh, I text my wife. I let her know when I knelt down last night and said my prayers. I'm, you know, I'm I'm praying for my brother, and it brings life into perspective. Just you know, in a second, you know, your 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 outlook changes, and and what's important to you. So many stresses with your job and your family and other responsibilities that you have, maybe in your religion. You pray sometimes in general, and and hope that God hears you and 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 blesses those those people in those situations that you're in. And, and other times when news like this comes, you you get pretty specific and pretty humble, uh, really really fast. And I think with Imam Amir, he's the perfect kind of example for us for being in a perhaps the ultimate sort of situation of literally living in a war-torn country. And, you know, likewise in our own lives, we are faced with conflicts, whether that is with our loved ones suffering from uh, diseases or even with ourselves suffering from sort of from something. You know, coming back to prayer, I love what Madeline, you brought up the fact that, you know, he talks about how that keeps you in contact with God. Uh, we know that God is one of the most loving and most in he wants to help us. He wants to give us that peace and that, you know, that helped in order for us to proceed in our lives. But I think, you know, that's the key thing is that we have to continuously keep in contact with him. Uh, when he talked about, when uh, Imam Amir talked about how for the Muslim faith, you know, you, you the bare minimum is five times a day. That sort of hit me where I began to think, how many times do I pray a day? I maybe twice, maybe three times. And also, how many of those times am I super sincere about it? How many of those times am I like, you know, help me to have a good day? How many times do I really talk to Heavenly Father or talk to God? I guess that's what I was trying to, the point I was trying to make or the connection I was trying to make, you know, when I was talking about when I was a kid. And do I really believe this? Because I'm going to have to go out. If I've got to go out and live this and teach other people, and I – I, I told that story, but I didn't necessarily connect it to, to that thought. This is a conversation in good faith. Listeners sharing their thoughts on the first half of today's show with Imam Amir Salahovich. Find the full episode online at byuradio.org slash ingoodfaith. Now back to the conversation. You know, he talks about what I am is my choice. And I'm not sure that's a choice you just make once. And then you're done and you say, okay, I commit. Because sometimes you're a part of a community and that community starts to fracture. And whether that's your friends who reject this faith community that maybe you've all lived in and loved and gotten support from. And when some people reject it and walk away, or maybe in your own family when your kids say, this is stupid you know, I'm not doing this. I don't believe what you believe. Um, you know, that's. I think that's really, really tricky because you think, oh, I made this choice a long time ago. And sometimes I think you have to keep making it every every day. And if you if you think that you don't, you're um, you could get caught off guard. I guess that's a really good point. I I guess I go back to that experience that I had as my foundation. When things get tough, I know. I know what happened that day. I know how it made me feel, and and that's kind of my foundation. But you're right. You you have to recommit yourself to that uh, on an ongoing basis. And when when struggles come, when you have challenges, uh, you have to you know you have to recommit and and ask yourself. And I see it a lot now in my children. 
I have two boys, two girls. All of the pressure that they have, high school is not the same and college is not the same uh, as it was for me. Different experiences. And you have so many issues today with drugs and pornography and gender issues and questions. And I see my kids struggling with that. And I want them to believe what I believe and use that as a, as a strength, as a, as a foundation for them. As you go through and try to help them and answer those questions and help them find peace, you know, you're, you're learning and you're, you're questioning those things all over again too. So it's a, it's a struggle. Uh, but yeah, you, you make that decision multiple times throughout your life. So when uh, Imam Amir talks about Muslims in general, it's, it's absolutely true. He also talks about how there are good and bad people in every culture, in every nation, in every ethnicity, and it's 100% true. When I was around 15 years old, as part of my local congregation, we were informed that one of our members had been arrested for selling narcotics. And it shocked us all because we thought we knew this man very well. We, he was a young men's leader. It was a big shock to us just because we thought this is impo- how could he, how could this ever happen and I think it comes back to what Imam Amir talks about where people are people people are imperfect and you know people make mistakes they struggle they fall but we can't just blame a specific religion for that we can't blame Muslim Islam for all the mistakes in the world when in reality it, it's not Islam's fault Islam teaches many good and beautiful principles that we as Christians also agree with, that, you know, all people are equal in the eyes of God and that we need to just, we need to be nice to each other, basically. I think there are a lot of ways that you can approach a situation where you feel like your religion or some group you belong to is being discriminated against, and you can get angry that people are so ignorant, uh, which he didn't do. He said, we are ambassadors for Bosnian Muslims, and we're happy people, and we're cultured, and we want to share that. And he kind of just took that as a positive challenge to say, I'm going to I'm gonna keep talking, I'm going to build this community, we're going to teach our children, and we're going to teach our neighbors. And I think that, you know, nobody can make you do that. Nobody can make you be an ambassador, and nobody can stop you from being angry when you're unfairly characterized. But... I, I thought that was very, I don't know, big of him, very big-hearted of him to take that approach. Actually, kind of going off of that thought is that not only do we need to be ambassadors for our own religions, but we also should be ambassadors for other religions. We should emphasize that you can't go around judging people like that. We should emphasize the idea that all these religions, all these groups, all these ethnicities, what, whatever nation, as he said, everyone is equal and everyone should have a right to believe what they want to. He talked earlier about how in Bosnia, people would make fun of them for praying outside and how he was so grateful that in the United States, you know, people don't point fun at him. They don't, you know, laugh or, you know, bully them or whatever. Not that we're perfect, though. I mean, no. we, we <laughs> no, definitely, I think, I think we have our own biases. I think, you know, when we are on a plane with Middle Eastern men uh, with long beards. I think we get a little nervous and look twice. And so maybe that's what you're talking about, Ryan. We have to kind of check our biases and, and remember our better natures. <laughs> yeah. So has any of us ever read the Quran or read passages or even heard quotations from the book? He made me want to. Right. For sure, because his relationship with Scripture is very much like my experience with Scripture, um, you know, especially the Psalms or, you know, the Scripture that tends to be poetic and have multiple layers of meaning is going to mean something different to you every time. And so I was thrilled for him to say that about the Quran, made me want to explore it further. In our religion, we're encouraged to spend time in the Scriptures every day. I, I believe, and, and I've heard this, and, and maybe you have too, um, if, we, if we want to talk to God, that's where prayer comes in. If we want God to talk to us, that's where the scriptures come in. And a combination of those things keeps us in touch with God. As uh, he said, I have a friend, his mother reads the scriptures faithfully every day, every month, all year long. And he told me that 
she'll go through and mark those scriptures and make notes as she's reading. And then when she's done, she'll put that set aside. She'll buy a new set of scriptures and she'll read through there without the notes, without the, not that it's a crutch, but without that insight, because now she's in a different situation. Her family's in a different situation, different pressures, different challenges, different joys and successes. And so each time she reads through, she'll do it with a new set. And he said it's amazing uh, the, the different things, the new things that she learns each time. It's interesting that he said, God chose me. I was shy. I never would have seen myself as an imam. And I was just wondering if you had instances, the rest of you in your life, uh, where you feel like God chose you to do something or pushed you or nudged you in a, in a certain way that you never would have expected. I feel like I have been blessed with a lot of great talents and characteristics, not so much that I'm trying to pat myself on the back, but one of them is, and I see this in my personal life and in my professional life, and that's why I bring it up. I'm a pretty influential person. I mean, as my profession, I'm in sales, and I've been in sales for 30 years, and it's provided a great income and and a, a good lifestyle for me to provide for my family. I don't look at that as, hey, I'm this great guy and I can talk anybody into anything because I can't, but I feel like that's something that God has blessed me with to be able to provide financially and physically uh, for my family, but also to influence people for good. And there's a difference between those two things. I can't go home and be a sales guy and put the pressure and the influence, (laughs) be a used car sales guy to my family. Yeah. Sorry, auto industry. But there's a difference between those things that you use to influence people for good and encourage them and, and, and help them become closer to God and closer to Christ and, and open themselves up to more of the promptings from the Holy Ghost as opposed to how you use that in business uh, professionally, again, to provide for your family. So that, that really struck a chord with me when he was talking about God choosing him and 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 obviously blessing him to be a leader, uh, the leadership skills that he has, the commitment, the uh, the conviction that he has for God. And the positive outlook he has. I'm curious, Ryan and Madeline, because I remember being in college myself, and I felt like there were so many roads open ahead of me, so many paths to choose from. And I sometimes was overwhelmed, but it was so exciting. And then you choose a path and and other paths might seem to close for you. I just wonder, you're kind of at that stage in your life. Do you feel God working on you? I felt that way when I came to college. I always knew I wanted to do something with writing. And so it kind of came down to journalism or English for me. And It was a hard decision, and sometimes I ended up choosing journalism, um, but sometimes I do look at other people who are, you know, majoring in different things. My husband's in accounting. I have a friend in human development. Um, Sometimes I think the English major looks fun, things like that, and sometimes I wonder, you know, did I choose the right path? And I kind of go back to remembering that Um, writing is a talent that I feel that I have and one that I think God has helped me to develop. And I can remind myself um, I'm where I want to be and I'm where uh, I think God wants me to be as well. Like Todd, I served a two-year mission before I began college. Uh, I served in uh, Indiana, spent a long time in Indianapolis, uh, Spanish-speaking, so I was working a lot of times with uh, Spanish communities. And For me, in my own life, that is perhaps the biggest example of God calling me to do something. And that was God calling me to go and teach the Spanish communities of Indiana what, you know, the Word of God. And from that experience, I took a lot of things from that. I took the power of prayer and the power of the scripture reading, you know, just like Imam Amir has mentioned. And so when I returned home from my mission, I spent a long time praying and reading the scriptures, trying to find those answers to try to figure out what exactly I wanted to do with my life. Uh, I knew I wanted to go to college. Uh, that was a given. But, it, you know, you have to narrow down exactly what you want to do. And so in my life, um, prayer and the, that scripture reading has really led me to embrace the idea that 
all right, I'm going to study business. I'm going to study business as a degree. I'm not 100% sure why, but I know that when I do pray about it, I feel a sense of peace. I know that for some reason, one way or another, Heavenly Father or God, he wants me to go down that path. And and when I say said path and choosing paths, I I want to clarify that uh, our paths can be winding and surprising. And Madeline, you were reminding me of myself in college because I started in communications and then I went to English and I ended up teaching English um, until just a few years ago. And I've, I've kind of felt like, well, I've I've done this for a while. I'd like to do something else. And so I started applying for jobs here on campus at BYU. And there was a job I really wanted. And uh, it's, I didn't hear. I didn't hear yes or no. And I was getting anxious about it. And I, I kind of had this voice in my head that said, don't worry. There's something out there for you. And I didn't get that job. But then I stumbled on some postings from BYU Radio, and I had no experience in radio, And I, but I always loved radio. And so I kind of was persistent and um, bugging the <laughs> producers over here and the management, and they said, oh, my goodness, well, you're persistent, and we'll give you that. You have no experience. And I was able to kind of talk my way in. And um, it's it's interesting. My husband said to me, at that time, you're going to do something you've never done before. And it, it kind of, it came to pass and I um, have had this great opportunity here at BYU Radio. Uh, so I think God can surprise you. And if you just kind of keep checking in, um, he really cares. I have felt in my life about where we're going. That's our time for today. Thanks to our panelists, Todd, Madeline, Tenery, and Ryan, and especially to the Imam, Amir Salahovich, for generously sharing his stories and his faith. In Good Faith is committed to the idea that we all benefit from hearing people of widely varying backgrounds tell their personal experience with faith and belief. In fact, we think people with such experience deserve some of our best listening. Where do you listen to In Good Faith? We'd love to know. Email us at ingoodfaith at byu.edu. In Good Faith is a production of BYU Radio. Our production assistant is Lisey Clegg, with assistance from Christine Knuckleby and Marcus Smith. I'm your host and producer, Stephen Cap Perry. I hope you'll join us again soon, right here, In Good Faith.